0: Welcome to Mission Viejo Christian Church. Today, Pastor Mike Maiola is bringing the word to you. So open up your Bibles and listen in. Thanks, Robert. Are you glad to be here? Yes. I'll tell you what, I, I, there's just something in my spirit that just I just got to get it out. And it's this series called Extraordinary. So um, how many of you here want your life to matter? Yeah. Come on, every hand should be up. How, how many of you here want your life to make a difference in somebody else's life? Yeah. Right. right. So here's the deal. At MVCC, we're all about life. We're all about God. The way that we have an extraordinary life, which is what I want to talk about, is that we look to an extraordinary God. If I look to myself, I get in trouble. If I look to my own ways, I may get distracted. If I rely on my own strategies and my own ways, It can get discombobulated. But when I look to an extraordinary God who can do anything and get hooked up with Him, He makes life absolutely extraordinary. And that's what I want to talk about these next three weeks. I want to encourage you, Uh, to bring your Bible, open your Bible. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And so if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Just open up your iPhone, your uh, Galaxy, whatever you got into the uh, Holy Bible app. It's free. You can grab it quickly and you can follow along. If you don't have any of that, that's okay. It'll be on the screen here. But what I want to talk about today, and what I believe is on, on, on God gave me on my heart, is that to talk about What are we doing here at MVCC to accomplish the mission and to accomplish the vision? Amen? Before we get to the text, I just want to give you a little bit of background in Acts chapter 2, where we're going to pick it up in verse 42. You know, when you meet Jesus, when you really meet him, when you surrender your life to him, he meets you where you're at, and you surrender everything, something happens on the inside. It's not like, well, we get religious, we get holy, all of a sudden we just, well, our lives are perfect. It's not that way. It, it's, it's, God does something in, it's internally where we want to please God, We want to do what's right. We want to please whatever God wants us to do. Some of the things that we were doing, we don't want to do those anymore because now we love God. It's not like, well, we come to Jesus and now we can't do this and we can't do that, can't have any fun, and just God just, you know, nothing ever happens because now we're just with God and life is boring. It's not like that. He sets our life on a whole new course. And it all happens from the inside. Let me illustrate this. When Jesus came to the fishing docks and he found Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, he said to those guys, come follow me. Now, they had been waiting for the Messiah to come, the God-man who would come from heaven and to reestablish his kingdom on earth. So they were waiting for him. And so when Jesus said, follow me, they were like, man, we're all in. We know that you're something not of this world. We don't know exactly what, but we're here to follow you. So they followed him. They left everything to follow Jesus. He transformed them from the inside out. They saw the miracles. They were there feeding the 5,000, 20,000 people. And they actually partook in participating in the miracle that Jesus performed. They saw it all. They saw Lazarus being risen from the dead. They saw someone stretched out their hand. Jesus touched their hand and it was completely restored. I mean, they saw everything. They experienced God in a powerful way, and their lives were absolutely extraordinary because of it. When I look at what God has left for us behind, us here at the church, I am encouraged because it's not our church. It's His church, and we're here to follow whatever He commands us to do, and there's joy in that. So when the, the, when the early followers of Christ left everything to follow him, it wasn't like, oh, okay, I guess we got to follow God. They're like, we're all in, man. And they experienced it all. Now, during that time, just go back with me for a little bit. Jesus was here for 33 years on earth. He spent three years with his 12 followers that he said, come follow me. And for those three years, their life was turned upside down. There was a point in the, in, the, in the end of his three years with them that he said, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me. They're going to they're beat me and whip me, and, and they're going to put me to death. In fact, the disciples became very uneasy about that because they were like, Jesus, you were supposed to establish your kingdom, and we were supposed to be on the throne with you. So what are you doing? And Jesus said, you guys got to trust me. You got to trust what I've established way back in the Old Testament, that my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is eternal. So they had to trust him. It got so bad that at one point, Peter, who was a swashbuckling fisherman, who was crass, he was a cusser, he had all kinds of temper issues. I mean, he wasn't the most perfect uh, uh, person. And Jesus handpicks him to follow him. He said, Jesus, you can't go to Jerusalem. They'll kill you there, and then the plan will be foiled. And he actually, Jesus actually says, no, he rebuked that from the enemy saying, I must go to Jerusalem and die on the cross because it's at the cross that you and I have forgiven. Think about this for a minute. You and I sitting here today forgiven. If you've given Jesus Christ your heart, you are forgiven. You are changed. You are renewed. You have a place in heaven because of his goodness and his grace. It's all because of what he did. Now, they were so absolutely transformed by that, even though they had questions and doubts and fears. You mean if I follow Jesus and I still have questions and doubts and fears and sometimes feel pulled back into my old life and there's temptation everywhere, does that mean I'm not a follower of Christ? You still are. There's temptations all around. Jesus said, I want you to keep your eyes fixed on me. Amen. So they did that. Jesus said, you guys... Before he was be ascended into heaven, Jesus died, he rose again, and then he was here for 40 days, and then he told his followers, these 40 days I'm giving you some final instructions. Before I go into heaven, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the gift I will give you, the gift that was promised. They didn't know exactly what that meant. It was a faith walk, man. It was a total trust. They had to go back to Jerusalem and do what Jesus said. So they went to the Mount of Olives where Jesus often prayed with his disciples. Then they went to the upper room. And in that upper room, it actually says previous to this, they were afraid, they were terrified, they were scared that the very ones that crucified Jesus were going to come looking for them. And so they didn't have it all together. All they had was faith and trust. They go into this upper room, and it's interesting because it says in Acts chapter 1, we're going to read the text in just a minute, but this background's really important, so when we read chapter 2, it'll make sense. In one fourteen, it actually says that they were in the room together, constantly in prayer. Yeah. I don't think they were in prayer because, well, class 101 says we have to pray. We ought to pray. It's the right thing to do. They were so in love with Jesus, and they missed him. The only connection they had with him was prayer. Just like us today. you got a situation that seems impossible. you got a situation that seems way too big. you got a situation that's ginormous and there's no way we can get over this thing. Pray! When we pray as a church, the power of God comes. We've been asking for change. I see a new city. I see a new Mission Viejo. I see a new Ladera Ranch. I see a new Foothill Ranch. I see a new Lake Forest. And God always uses his people. But he's looking for us to wait on him in prayer, extraordinary prayer. And then he begins the change. Well, that's exactly what happened. These guys are in the upper room, they're praying, and all of a sudden, man, this mighty rushing wind comes through, blowing through this upper room, tongues of fire. I mean, the Holy Spirit is now a gift that's given. They are all filled with the Holy Spirit, the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. They are now filled. They are changed. They are transformed. It's not no longer Peter with his temper problem. It's Peter filled with the power of God. And so he walks out of this upper room, and because it was Pentecost, the Jewish holiday, there were thousands of Jews that were gathered together in that city for 50 days from all other cultures, all other lands, speaking different languages. Peter flings the door open, and he sees thousands of Jewish people there. And he stands before them, and basically, in a nutshell, he says this. God loved you. He created you. But you guys crucified him. But he's risen from the dead. And this God made him both Lord and Christ. He is God. He is the Lord. And this is what they said. I just can't imagine these guys were like, because they asked the question, now what do we do? What must we do to be saved? And Peter said this, Go to church every Sunday. No, he didn't say that. Give more money. No. Follow rules. Uh Uh-uh. Get more religious. Mm Mm-mm. Be nicer to people. Nope. Repent, man. Change. Turn. (laughs) Tell God you're sorry. Let's just be real. Tell God you've blown it. You've made mistakes. You've you've, you've run away from him. You've you've disqualified yourself because we've, we've all run from God. You know, I always say here as much as I can, my name's Mike. I'm a recovering sinner. The church is filled with people who are messed up. That's why we needed Jesus. And our lives sometimes are still messed up, but we're now filled with the Spirit of God trying to follow him. So Peter gives this message. Now watch this. three. There wasn't just like, well, one person said, yeah, I'll accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. The disciples are all, watch this. It went from one Jesus to 12 to 120 to 3,000. So growth is in God's economy. God wants us to grow. He wants our church to get bigger. He wants more people here because he loves everybody. Yeah, amen. And so what they did is they baptized all these people. Peter, how many more? I don't know. Just keep baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what happened. Because it was genuine and it was not religion or rules or church, it was Jesus changing lives, man. They were so changed. Their families changed. Their city changed. Their school changed. Their job changed. Everything changed because because it was an internal, real thing that was happening. And now all of a sudden, they got 3,000 people. How are we going to have 3,000 people in one church service? We can't because we don't have buildings that big. That's what I want to talk about today of our lives in an extraordinary place with God requires you and I for a 100% devotion to do it God's way. The church was never meant to be a building. In fact, when Jesus said, my church, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it, on this rock, meaning Jesus, he is this cornerstone of his church. By the way, this is not my church. It's not even our church. It's our community, but it's God's church. And he said he's the head of this thing. So he didn't say build buildings. No, nothing wrong with buildings. Buildings are simply a tool so that we can minister and love people. But it's not the building. It's us. It's you and me. That Greek word church means, is translated in Greek ekklesia. Ekklesia means called out ones. That means you've been called by God. You've been called by God. You've been called. Come on. God called you to follow him, right? You are now the called out ones. And our attitude, our devotion is now to Him. So when we look at society and we look at people who aren't in a place like this, we don't chastise, we don't judge, we don't, well, how come they're not in church? Well, that's why they have problems. Look at the, all the issues they have because the world's f- full of sin. And, and if they just got their act together, uh-uh. You know why? Because I was just like that. I, w- I was lost. I was a mess. My life was an absolute mess. Why? We're going to read here in verse 42, they were so devoted. Why were they so devoted? Did they go to the right classes? Did they know the right stuff? Did they have all the knowledge? Did they know Greek and Hebrew and the Torah back and forth, the first five books of the Old Testament? Nothing wrong with all that, but that's not why they were so devoted. They were so devoted because Jesus rescued their life. Give me a church. Give me people. You know Jesus rescued you. You'd be dead without Jesus. You'd be dead without him. I'm convinced 32 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, if I didn't do that, I'd be dead because I know the lifestyle I was living. I'd be dead. I wouldn't even be here. God blessed me with an incredible wife. I have kids. I get to be the pastor of this amazing church. It's not because of, it's not because of me. It's, it's all God. I love what Robert said about giving gifts. It's all his anyway. So let's read the text now. And, and my question is this, as we read this, I want you to ask yourself, why was this happening? Why did they do this? All right, here we go. Verse 42, Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people now, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that's it seems to me the Bible's, it is what it is. That's what they were doing. They were devoting themselves to the word of God, to fellowshipping with believers, to praying, and they enjoyed each other. Oh, and they took communion. Now, when they took communion back in those days, they took it in their homes because they didn't have buildings. Not to say the way we do it is wrong. It's just different. But I think to authentically do it the way Jesus wanted the Last Supper to be a meal that was remembered by God is that that when we have a meal with our brothers and sisters in our life group and our home group, we sit around the meal and we talk about, man, what is God doing in your life? Man, what has Jesus rescued you from? Tell me about your faith story. How did you come to the Lord? There's nothing wrong with talking about the Los Angeles Rams at home group, life group. There's nothing wrong with talking about the Steelers. There's nothing wrong with those things. But that's, that's, that's not the core of fellowship. The core of fellowship is we share Jesus in common. Isn't it cool? We can have black, white, yellow, green, this language, that language, this person from this country, this person from that country, and we all come together and we all love Jesus with all our hearts and that's what we share in common. That's what they were experiencing here. And they met together for those four things. Now, isn't it interesting? In chapter 1, verse 14, it says they were continually in prayer. I want you to see something here. The church was birthed out of a prayer meeting. They didn't all get around a board table. You know why they call them board meetings? Because they're boring, right? They didn't get around the table and go, so what do you think we ought to do to start the church? I don't know, why don't we strategize this? Why don't we read this book? Why don't we listen to this guy? says, well, that guy's doing this over here. Let's just build a church and let's just do it our own way. They were in prayer. God showed up and God gave them the word and the Lord did it. The Holy Spirit was doing it his way. Now, with all these people, we can't just baptize them and, hey, man, have a great life. We'll see you in heaven. We, 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 we want to help you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. That means they were in fellowship with one another, but they also corporately were together. So to say, well, well this is all meeting homes. We don't need this. Wrong. There's a different dynamic. It's different. It's not more important than the other. There's a different dynamic when we all meet. Haven't you ever walked into this place just down? I guess I'm the only one. Two, three, four. Okay. (laughs) Thinking about all the things I got to do. My mind is cluttered. I'm so stressed out. I got all these things I got to finish. When I walk into this place and I see you worshiping, and the music starts going, and I worship God, it changes my attention. I'm encouraged when I see people that I love. I'm encouraged when I see you here on Sunday morning. It encourages our faith. So there's a dynamic that's important, yeah, to come to church every Sunday, which, by the way, I don't understand what's happening, the cultural norm, that all of a sudden people who say they're devoted to Jesus, now the, the norm from California all the way to New York City is people are attending services like this just once a month, once every six weeks. I, and and it's not because I'm the pastor. I know I need you. I need you. I need God. Listen, you can't go through one week without getting beat to hell by the enemy. So let's just, I need, I need to worship him. If I don't get my worship on, I'm toast, man. I'm susceptible to the enemy. So again, why were they doing this? Because they were so desperate. Listen, they were so desperate for God. Jesus left them physically. All they had was one another. Oh, isn't that wonderful that we are now the body of Jesus. He's the head. We're the body. So if we want to get to know Christ, we get to know one another. Isn't that cool? We're like part of the same family. Which isn't it interesting that when God said the church, he was talking about, yes. Well, you're just making that up. No. No. 1 Peter 2.5. Can we put 1 Peter 2.5 up there real quick? Because I just want you to see, this is all from God's word. This is not me. You also, what does it call us? Like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. God's building something spiritually to be a holy priesthood. You're a priest because of the blood of Jesus, right? Offering spiritual. Our life is now spiritual sacrifice to God, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Right? Isn't that cool? Let's do one more. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you, the people of God, are the body, and each one of you is a part of it. Right. Well, a little secret here? We don't pay the pastors to do all the work, because <laughs> that's the wrong way to do it. Right. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says, we get to serve you, which by the way, minister is actually translated servant. So when you get saved, you are a servant. You are a minister. We are all ministers. Guess what I get to be? I'm, I'm the lead pastor. That means I get to be the lead servant, right? By the way, this is just for free. Husbands, head of the house, head of the the marriage, head of the wife, that doesn't mean you go, okay, tell everybody do what I tell you to do. I'm the king of the castle. This is my family. Everybody do this. Do that. Do that. Uh Uh-uh. The husband is the lead servant because Jesus said, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He washed the disciples' feet. He was a servant to the disciples to establish his authority. Isn't that great? The creator of the universe gets down on his hands and knees and he he washes the feet of the very people that he's called to follow him. It's like it's backwards. It is backwards. Christianity doesn't make sense. Christianity is counterculture. That's why he wanted us to turn this world upside down by what we do with one another. Yeah, Gone are the days, man. We'll just put up a banner on the street. We'll send out a postcard to every household in Mission Viejo and everyone will just come to church. It doesn't work like that anymore, does it? We, it's you and I, living it. We're the church out there. You know what I would love for for some of you to come on Sunday morning after the service is over and say, "Um, Pastor Mike, guess what? This is my friend Bill. And I was sharing with Bill about what he did in my life. And I just shared the gospel, the good news with him at Starbucks. And I was drawing on a piece of napkin, like how Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And if you receive Jesus and turn to him, he'll save you and change your whole life. And he he, Bill wants to do that. You bring him. Right, it's, it's you. You do. We do it together. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have services like this, because there will always be people that will visit and be guests of our church, and we we want you to be a part of God's family and receive all this. But it's not all up to the paid people. As much as I love it, my joy is seeing you do it. I want to put the tools in your hands, so you get the joy of baptizing. When we have people get baptized. Carlos just helped baptize his sister. I love it. You want a face story? Go talk to the. Stand up, Carlos, just for a second. I don't want to embarrass you, but just stand up for a second. This guy was, this guy was in, he, he's been very vocal. He was in a gang, dude, not like in LA, in San Juan. Sold drugs, then had a horrible life. He comes to Jesus Christ. His whole life changes, his family changes. He's bringing his sister. His sister accepts sheep. Remember that snow day we had? Remember that silly snow day thing? Why are you doing that, Pastor Mike? Because it gets families and kids here. I was standing outside in the snow day. His sister comes out to me and says, you know, we've been thinking about the Lord. We need to get baptized at a snow day. So I said, guess what? Yes, you just come to Jesus. And Carlos helps baptize his sister. We do the work together, right? It's not a building. It's not a place. It's not an organization. We are a community of people. Nice. Man, we only got to verse 42. Let's get to verse 43. <laughs> I'm glad this is three weeks. Somebody say amen. amen. Everyone was lost. this now. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The apostles, by the way, apostle means one on a specific mission. An apostle with a specific office And Acts chapter 1 tells us they had to see Jesus, they had to be with him, and they had to see the resurrected Christ. So technically, biblically, there are no more apostles. Those are specific to the 12. We are disciples. We are followers. But the disciples had the ability to be able to pass on the gifts to others. They could touch somebody. Do you realize that Peter, swashbuckling fisherman, who was absolutely so screwed up and so messed up, his life was a mess. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. It actually says his shadow passed by people that were sick and they got healed and he didn't say well because i'm so gifted no if if there's anything good i mean i'm paraphrasing but he basically said don't worship us jesus did this it's all about jesus it's all about god it's all about what he's done and that's why these believers were absolutely so devoted because they'd be dead without god now watch this all these performing miracles and signs and wonders right everybody's in awe all the believers, watch it. All the believers, not just a few, all of them were together and had everything in common. Amen. That means they were one mind. They were one focus. They were one mission. What's our mission? What's our mission? It's really not our mission. It's God's mission. That's why we put it up here because Pastor Mike's dumb. He forgets things. So I have to be able to read it every week. Our mission is reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ to make disciples Who are disciples? That basically means this. We don't want to usher people in and out of a service and just have an hour and 15 minutes. We want your life to become followers of Christ. But you know as well as I do, we can't do that in an hour and 10 minutes. That's why it says they were together and had everything in common. Verse 45. Because they were so devoted and because they were together and because they were so on mission for what Jesus told them to do, They sold property and possessions. You know all that stuff you got in your garage? Come on. I know you got stuff, right? Everybody's got stuff that you don't need anymore. Some of us get storage facilities for more stuff, and we hide all of our stuff. We don't need it. We have a rule in our house. If you haven't touched it in three days, it's gone. No. If if you haven't touched it in six months, it's gone. They gave to people they didn't have. So why? Because they went to a class? Because they had to? Someone was looking at their W-2 forms and said, you didn't give enough last year. No, because they loved Jesus. They were so changed, they wanted to do something about it. They wanted to do something that was going to move towards the mission. And we just think we should help the poor. God, man, I just just envision a new city. When we're all dead and gone, that they'll write in the history books... Mission Viejo was known as the city of God. Not because the buildings. Nothing wrong. I love the fact that we have, I love the fact that we don't have to set up every single Sunday in a school. Thank you, God. But this isn't, the the buildings, this is just the buildings so we can worship God to go out and do what God called us to do. But first we have to look at what are we doing on the inside? They sold their property, gave the possession as anyone who had need. Every day, watch this now, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They were out amongst the people. They broke bread in their, come on, homes, right? And ate food, yeah, ribs, ribeye, all that stuff, right? Whatever they, they (laughs) ate together with what? Glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And this is the best part of the whole section. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you, do you, I, I can't help it. It's like when I read that, I see something different than what we're doing today. It's not like we're doing everything bad. It isn't like we're going to stop church. It doesn't mean like we're going to abandon church now because we need. it just means we need to look again At what we're doing and asking ourselves the question, are we accomplishing the mission of Jesus to the best of his ability through the power of the Holy Spirit so we can see God's mission accomplished? That's the question. So there were two dynamics. Yes, Sunday morning is important. Be here every Sunday. Be here. I guarantee you, your business will do okay. If you heard for an, didn't get, oh man I got only one amen on that one. Amen. Your business will do okay if you worship God first. He'll bring you more business. Amen. Your 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 lawn will still get cut at twelve fifteen when you get out of here. I mean you, I know you got stuff to do at home. I know you got soccer and baseball and all those things are great, but it's the, I call it the Matthew six thirty three principle. Seek first the kingdom, and the first order of business I got to be connected to the King. So that I can do what he wants me to do in his kingdom. His kingdom is not just here, his kingdom is out there. Serving the sick, helping the poor, helping the disenfranchised, helping people who can't help themselves. What is it with these Christians? They're always helping people, they're always giving their money. They're just, they're just, I can't get rid of them. Good. In fact, I long for the day when businesses and bosses and CEOs say, hire Christians because they serve with integrity. When they make a mistake, watch this, they admit it. They never leave the workplace and just leave. They say, is there anything else I can do for you? Man, they work with their hearts. They're committed to the business. What were they doing? They were extraordinary because they were connected to an extraordinary God. Are you connected to the extraordinary God? He's not a gas, he's not a fathom, he's not a cloud, he's not some nirvana thing, get into your navel and get into yourself and you know worship at Buddha's feet. (laughs) Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's very simple. He loves you, he doesn't hate you, he doesn't look at the past and go, dude, you were strung out on drugs. I don't want you in my kingdom. I want you. Where else are you gonna go? There's no place else to go. Where are you gonna go back to drugs? I I did that stuff in high school, messed around with all that stuff. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Puking in the bowl, that was great. (laughs) When you meet Jesus, man, you don't want to go back. You just want to do what God said. We got a lost world. We got people that are hurting and dying. Come on, you guys know it. And and expecting everybody to come to a church service, which I thank God if you're here. And we will always have people who will just come and check it out. But we've got to be, Jesus said go. He didn't say to the world, come. Come. Why would they want to come here? I got a question. Why don't people come here who aren't here? They're, I'm asking. Skeptical, Skeptical okay. What, what, what are the reasons? Come on, you think of your friends or family right now. Why won't they come to church service with you? A Scared? Someone said hypocrite? All, all, all they want is your Money. Too, too busy, what else? Right, right. Oh, I know. If I go into those places, they'll tell me all about my sin, and they'll tell me how terrible I am. Why would I want to go to a place like that? I know I'm a sinner. Oh, I forgot one more. There is one reason why some people don't come to God. S-I-N. Right. I got a friend I've been praying for for 31 years, the reason it doesn't come to God, it's not because he doesn't understand the Bible. It doesn't mean, it, it's not because he doesn't understand there's a creator. He's got three different girlfriends and he's moving them all around. <laughs> right? At this church, our vision is to be very real, Right, loving, and on mission. So can we just be real? Let's not pretend. Let's just not pretend. So the fact that, what do I do with a person like that? I pray for them. I love them. You know, you really shouldn't be doing that. You really shouldn't be drinking. You really shouldn't be smoking that pot. You really shouldn't be living that way. You really shouldn't be doing that. Does that help anybody come to God? Huh. You love them in their mess and you pray. You pray like an animal. You pray like a bulldog, dude. You don't let go of that bone. You just keep praying and praying. You pray and pray and pray. And then you're watching for an opportunity to be an answer to that prayer, right? So here's my thing. I don't tell my friend, you know you really shouldn't be sleeping around i just say man how's that working for you and then sooner or later because he tells me his woes yeah this one went schizophrenic on me this one told lies about me this one threatened my family all this stuff i'm listening to this going are you ever going to get tired of this you know i don't judgmentally say that i'm just saying come on right i waited 18 years god waited for me 18 years to give my life to jesus christ I can wait for somebody else and believe and trust God. My job and your job is to plant seeds and love and serve and pray and do everything we can. And where does all that come out of? The fellowship here encourages us to do all that. And so that's why they were breaking bread, having communion together, fellowshipping together, praying together, and in the word. That's why at MVCC, we want to make disciples and make disciples. We want you to be a follower and learn how to be a follower so that you can help somebody else to be a follower. Does that make sense? And we just figured the best way to do that is the way Jesus did it. He had a life group. He had 12 people and Jesus did life with them. So it isn't even just, well, my home group, my life group's on Monday. Uh, so we just gather together on Monday for two hours and eat, talk about the Bible, and then we're done and we see each other next week. No. Some guy in our life group ran out of gas and he called one of his life group members. I'm stuck. Can you help? One's going into surgery. Can you guys come pray for it? We do life together. And I know what some of you are thinking. I don't like people. <laughs> Get over it. Right? Because the fact of the matter is, we need one another. We need one another. We need one another. We need one another. I don't want an ordinary church. I don't want you to be ordinary. I want you to be extraordinary. And it says in chapter 1, it said that Peter and John, of chapter 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled. They were, they were so open to God that God poured less of me, more of you. Getting into the Word, getting into prayer. Fill me, God. Fill me with your Spirit. What are we going to do today, God? God, what are you going to do today? I hate this job, but I'm working for you, God. I hate going to school, but I'm doing I hate this marriage. No, I don't hate this marriage. I, I, I hate these kids. No, but I'm, I'm going to do it, Lord, for you. Right? Listen, if we were like a business, I got four minutes left. If, if we were a business, we have the greatest product. Right? Apple can't compare to Jesus. Amazon. By the way, if you're visiting, you get a free Amazon card. Amazon doesn't compare to what Jesus can do for you. How do we know? Our company is worldwide, man right? We have the greatest benefits. Forgiveness of sin, hope, peace, joy, all that. And the retirement package. <laughs> Woo! Heaven, right? Life here. When you stepped into relationship with Jesus, you didn't just step in to get all the benefits. You stepped up to be a good soldier for Christ. Yeah. Some of us think, yeah, I'll accept Jesus because I want to be on the cruise ship. Hey, um, Pastor Mike, can you get out of my way? Because um, you're blocking my son. I'm here on the deck. I need to get a good spiritual suntan, dude. You're in my way. Quit asking me to do stuff. Listen, part of my job as a pastor is to poke you, prod you. It's, it's to stick a poker in your back and get a little brand right here. Ouch, that hurts because I want to push you to be more like Jesus. I'm not always going to be loved. They didn't teach me that in Bible college. You got to be, you gotta be used to being hated. I know nobody hates me in this church, but I got haters. (laughs) And if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, if if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So what I'm asking everybody to do here is not easy. There's no easy Christianity. That's why I think in verse 42, it says they were so devoted. It'll cost you time. You will begin to weep and cry over people. It'll cost you gas money and gas to pick up somebody to come to church with you. It will cost time for you to be on the phone and listen to somebody's woes. Let me ask you a question. The church is us as people. We learn that, right? We're the called out ones to go out and do the work. And we did these things together to equip ourselves to go out and do the work. Does that make sense? It's pretty simple. So we got the Super Bowl coming up, right? February 2nd. I'm so bummed the Steelers aren't going to be there. But anyway, what head coach would go out on the field and play the game by himself against the other team? Of course not. That's a stupid illustration. But I think that's what we do in the church. Pastors do it all. Go out on the field, win everybody to Jesus, counsel people, do Mary and Barry. And, and, and we got complaints in the church. Listen to my complaint for an hour and smile about it and be happy. Mm-mm. It's a team. He's the head coach. We do what he tells us to do. Why? Because we want to score more, more touchdowns to win the game. I don't want our church to be an ordinary church. I don't want our church to be a losing church. I want our church to be a winning church. And a winning church does what Jesus says to do. And there's great fun and joy in that. So all the people that aren't here right now, think of them. You got them in your mind? I want, I, I, every single move of God came with, started with one thing, and that was extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary prayer. I want to ask you to do one thing through this series. I want you to start today. I want you to ask God, how can my prayer life become more extraordinary for you, God? If it's waking up five minutes early, if it's stopping before meals, if it's giving time in the evening. You do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, but I want you to commit to extraordinary prayer. Remember when the Jesus movement was here? I wasn't alive during that time. But remember some of you were. You came out of the Jesus movement in in the 70s. I was alive, but I was only 10 years old. I heard about it. People were packing into VW vans and they were going to Monday night Bible study. People were getting saved on a Monday night? Uh Uh-huh. Saturday night they had concerts and they'd have altar calls and everybody just come to Jesus. Thousands of people, Calvary chapels everywhere. It was a move of God. How did it start? Good strategy? Lots of money? No. Holy Spirit power, man. And because they started praying and then they activated their faith. It's not magic. We don't just pray and God just does it. We have to step out and live in faith. So I got to stop this message, but we'll pick it up next week because I really want to talk about what real fellowship is. I just want to close with this and I want to encourage you with the story that I heard. In Oklahoma, I'm asking every single one of us here to look at ourselves. okay? Fair enough? Look at ourselves. Pastor Mike, stop looking at sinful people and picking out why they're doing things wrong. You focus on you. So... In Oklahoma, is a teeny tiny little community, small, and a small church, big building, small church. Back in the day, yeah, they lived in the glory days. The church could fit 500 people in it. It was a glorious building. It was huge. It was on fire 30 years ago, and now there was 50 people in a group of 500 seats. And pastor after pastor after pastor, nobody could kickstart it. They called one guy in, and he just, he did everything he possibly could. He loved the people. He preached the word. He loved them. He went to the hospitals. He tried to equip them. He tried to resurrect. After three years, nothing. Boom. Bam. Down. So he said, as one Sunday after three years, he stood up in front of his congregation, and he said, this church is dead. We're having a funeral for our church next Sunday. Now watch this. 50 people, right? I want everybody to come to church next Sunday because we're going to have this funeral service. He actually took an ad out in the local newspaper. There's only like 200 people in this little town. 200 people came to church the next Sunday. He had a coffin up front. Preached about the history of the church. This church was a great church. This church was a mighty church. And then he preached the word of God. This is what the church is supposed to look like. But this church is dead. And today we're, 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 we're throwing the casket down. This is it. It's gone. It's dead. And, and to finish the service, I want everybody to pay their last respects to the first church. And so as the coffin was opened, everybody passed by the coffin. And as they passed by the coffin, everybody's head sank. Why? because the pastor took a small mirror and put it inside the coffin and positioned it so when they walked by that coffin they saw why the church was dead. Now, I could have been really daring and have a coffin here <laughs> and have every one of you come and walk past the coffin. But we don't have enough time for that because we've got to get the kids out of children's ministry. But I hope the point is made. We, you and I, are the church. Amen. We don't come, We don't come to the church. We are the church. That's why the churches in America are dying, declining, because we made it a religious building. We are the church. Go do the work of God. So here's the question I have for us. And then we're done. Have I invited Jesus into my life, but I'm ignoring his commands? Ooh. You, you, you ask yourself, and you be alone with God on that. I'm going to decide today to be a fully, that's what the word said, fully devoted to Jesus and his mission. The decisions I make, relationships that I'm honoring or not honoring, loving people, stop holding grudges, stop the unforgiveness. Maybe there's, there's some things we need to stop. You, you got me? right? And maybe there's some things we need to start. You listen to what God is speaking to you. The last one is decide today to be in community. This discipleship can't happen here. We're only here for an hour and 15 minutes. It's life. It's getting in. That's why these life groups, it's not just about this Tuesday life group. It's about doing life together and becoming friends and supporting each other, learning the Bible together, struggling together, unanswered prayer together and encouraging each other, all those things and giving back to the community because... They need Jesus. Are you with me? Yes. Yes. Three weeks, extraordinary. Don't miss next week and bring someone with you. We're going to continue on in Acts chapter 2. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just want to ask you, Lord, if there's anyone here that's not sure about eternity, that's not sure if they were to die today, that they would go to heaven. And I just pray, Jesus, you'll help right now. Anyone that needs to make that decision in the quietness of their own heart, in the privacy of their own life right now, Lord Jesus, I accept you. I'm sorry, God. I've I've made mistakes in my life. I've sinned against you. I've done things that are wrong. I've run away from you, Lord, and I'm asking you to forgive me. I receive you now. I accept you now. I turn to you now. Thank you for giving me heaven. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I trust you now in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for our church and just anoint everybody in our church, God, with your anointing. We are all ministers. We're all servants. Go and do your work, and be encouraged that in community, so devoted to you because you're a God that never lets us go. We love you, God. We are expecting. We are expecting extraordinary things to happen in 2020 as we all step in together in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I just want to say, we're so glad you were able to join us today. If you'd like more information on this teaching or any other teaching, check out our website at mvcchome.org.